Hello, everyone, and welcome to Heard on the Street, Street Fight's podcast where we uncover the stories behind the companies, and more importantly, the people that constitute this sector of media and advertising that we all call local. So where are they from? What makes them tick? What business and life lessons can we draw from that? So I'm Mike Boland, lead analyst at Street Fight, and our guest today is Gladys Kong, who is CEO of Uber Media, which is an innovator in location intelligence. So we talked to Gladys from our studio in San Francisco about the trends she's tracking and the best practices she's exercising. So here's our discussion with Gladys. Thank you for having me, Mike. Yeah. Um, so we actually have a lot to talk about, including diving deeper into some of the things I just mentioned. But first, for those unfamiliar, let's start with a quick intro for you and for Uber Media. Great. Um, my name is Gladys Kong, and I'm the CEO of Uber Media. I started in technology at a young age. Um, I'm an immigrant from Hong Kong. I came to the States and uh, love math and science and mostly also because it doesn't have a language component to it when <laughs> I came to the States. So it makes it easier. But I have um, continued to love uh, math and science because I think ones and zeros are just easier for me <laughs> than um, a lot of nuances in the language. But then I went on to uh, California Institute of Technology, got a degree in engineering and continued to pursue that um, direction and went to UCLA and got a degree in computer science. So I've always been in tech. In 2021, I joined Uber Media as the chief technology officer. I worked there for about um, five, three, four years before I became CEO of the company and have been serving in that role since then. Uh, I love building product. I love building mostly technology um, and that excites me. Yeah. So, and, and you're right, I never thought about it that way, but numbers kind of transcend language and like math is like, it's a universal language, right? Yes. Yeah. That's, uh, you, I never thought you can that get way. it right or wrong. Yeah. There you go. Um, so, you know, that kind of leads into one of the kind of ongoing topics that we have on this show, kind of before we get into what you're doing on a business level at Uber Media, just while, while we're still talking about you, one of the things we like to discuss is what I like to call cross training. So the different kind of skill sets that um, executives and leaders will build throughout their career. And that can either be like a deliberate path or, or something that is more serendipitous. But you have a particularly unique and interesting kind of set of, of skills, I, I believe, you know, when, you, when it comes to technical, all the things you mentioned on a technical level, but also managerial, strategic, being a CEO, being a leader, being an entrepreneur, all those things. So how do, how do you usually describe that, that mix? And, and really the, the reason for asking that question is if there are any I don't know, traits or not just traits, but, but practices, things that you have done to cultivate those skills and that unique skill set throughout your career that serve as maybe like um, advice or, or, or tactical points for some of our listeners who may be earlier in their careers. Yeah, so it is a journey for me. Um, I have always thought I like um, computer science, so mm -hmm. I started my first job as a programmer. And I love the problem-solving aspect of it. So I stayed in there. But after that, I learned programming is a very um, lonely job. You always do it by yourself <laughs> right. at late at night or whatever. And I actually like working with people. So my next job, I uh, purposely sought for a project manager job, so the role, so I can actually work with people. And in the, still in the technical realm, but uh, I'd like to 
see how I like it working with people and I have never left. Um, I became a project manager and then became a a technical team lead and then became a VP of engineering and then continue to grow in that realm where I move up in leadership roles in the technical realm because that really combines what I like about just technologies, ones and zeros, and also working with people. And um, so that is one part of my growth. I really like the management and, and mentoring aspect of that. And then as I grew to become uh, the CTO of Uber Media, I started learning about other aspects of the company, and I really know very little about that. Yeah. So I spent a few years, I would ask sales leaders to take me out on a sales call so I can just listen in and learn uh, other aspects that I don't know about. And I've always been a curious person. I love learning. So through my few years of just learning in the background, I felt that's something I would like to broaden in my uh, horizon is I want to be a broader leader, not just a technical leader. So when the opportunity presented itself to um, Uber Media Needs CEO, I threw my hat in and I got the opportunity and I've been learning and growing since then. So I think sometimes it's uh, a journey to discover what you like and that's my journey. Yeah, and I think that's it's a key point in continuing to challenge oneself at all stages of a career, never thinking you know it all, challenge yourself with like new learning curves. I think that's a key point. I've actually, it resonates with me because I'm kind of a very basic self-taught programmer and we're talking just things like HTML and some CSS and you know, some work in PHP, you know, just kind of front end WordPress development, stuff like that. But that also brings up another point, which is the, the isolation of, of programming, it, it's something that it, it, I think it kind of varies. Like for me, I actually really like that aspect of it, that heads down work. And it's probably the same stuff that aligns with a lot of the work I've done throughout my career as a writer. Writing big white papers is really that just focus. You need to like go into that mental headspace and be there for hours, right? But um, I think it's it, it's something that I, I really like. And you know, as long as you can balance that with a fair amount of social interaction in your life and in your work, it's probably like anything else all about balance. And it sounds like you definitely have that that nailed. Um, so let's now uh, go kind of back, switch gears back to Uber Media. Um, you gave uh-huh. us kind of the high level thumbnail. Um, let's go a little bit deeper. For those unfamiliar, tell us about, you know, the company's mission, its differentiators, and any figures that, that you can give or you've been public about to provide some context on, you know, operational scale. Mm-hmm. So um, Uber Media is in the mobile location intelligence space, and um, we have. Uh, also a journey as a company that we always started in mobile apps, but we have <clears throat> evolved to become a data-focused company uh, starting about 2014 or so. And uh, today our mission is to make lo- location data actionable. So I think that started from 2014 when I first started pivoting the business towards that direction is that there's a lot of people showing mobile location data in use in different aspects, but the key is the question that my client always asks me is, how do you make decision off of it? It's to make that data set useful where it is actionable. And that is our mission. And you're dealing with large, large, large scale of data. It's difficult to manipulate. It's difficult to derive decision from it. So part of our mission is to build the technology around that where it becomes easier to manipulate and derive insights off of yeah. it. 
Now, and that, um, that's what we focus on. Following up on that, let, let's kind of give some color to that in terms of like, one, the types of, of companies you work with and, and how you're providing value. You know, is it, is it brands? Is it enterprises? Is it for marketing purposes, which is where we often see location data used mm -hmm. or more kind of logistics and operational stuff? And then, you know, along with that, kind of how do you package and price it? We, we've seen kind of the way you guys market it, which I think is very interesting, which is location insights as a service. So, mm -hmm. so the, the types of entities, how you're serving them and how it's packaged. Yeah, so it is uh, a very interesting question. It, we started in 2014 and at the time, mobile location data was primarily only used in marketing. Yep. We're building audiences, better targeting and all that. And we started there as well, but we feel as a company, our DNA is really in uh, technology innovation. Mm -hmm. We have a bunch of engineers and product-minded uh, people that love to innovate on that front. And I would say we're a little bit earlier in the market where I think we're ready to innovate, but the market is not totally ready to use this data outside of marketing and yeah. advertising. But we were the pioneer, and we build it, and we start taking it to brands, but we don't talk to the marketing group. We talk to the real estate decision-making group, oh. strat retail strategy groups, where they're looking to expand. So one of the purpose uh, use case of our data is to find um, a, site, a site selection tool as a site selection ah. tool. So it's a multi-million dollar investment to build a new site. And if you have multiple sites in mind, what our data can help you look at is uh, whether the targeted audience is better for one location versus another. Yep. Foot traffic wise, day of, days of the week that foot traffic is higher, lower, and how does it the three different sites compare? So that's one use case of our data that we took to brands in the early days. Yep. And now we expanded to help with retail strategy too. A lot of uh, retailers know their own sales, but they don't know their closest competitors. What you can look at is your competitors' foot traffic as compared to yours in the same region. Yeah. And maybe different decisions can be made from that. And also understanding customers' journey. How do they travel to your store? Would people travel far or, or, or they'd ever cross a river is actually really relevant mm -hmm. in today's COVID world where sure. travel patterns have certainly changed. Even shopping behavior has changed. Groceries peak days have changed. Yep. So the data is good for understanding that type of patterns and, and uh, changes. Yeah, and I love how the how varied those use cases are, and it continues to evolve. I've been watching this space for a while, and I agree the the movement from where it was primarily marketing, and then we started to see some really interesting you know directions for that technology. The ones you mentioned, I love the the franchise development angle of franchises deciding you know where does our presence you know, under index in terms of where we have brand affinity, but we don't have location. Stuff like that is fascinating. Another one that, that, that really has always interested me is the kind of investing angle, like hedge fund managers. Like I'm a big show fan of the show Billions, where they're mm -hmm. always looking for an edge, right? And, and using this type of data for things like foot traffic, you know, the, the traditional kind of way they did that was satellite imagery of the cars in, in the parking lot at Walmart to be able to get some sort of informational edge ahead of their earnings. Um, foot traffic data certainly can kind of aid in that and just kind of, you know, some of those investing. And that's just one example. It just continues to branch into a lot of different areas. Um, so I guess that leads into, you gave a great example, um, you know, for franchise development. Do you have any kind of mini case studies or examples of like specific clients, and you may or may not be able to name them, which is okay either way, in terms of like the specific ROI you brought in an individual case? Um. 
We that is uh, an interesting um, question, but we often uh, put in the uh, data, and the client will use that to make decision. It's not so directly they can tell us how much does that decision impact. Oh, sure. Right? Because so, they're using it uh, as software on their end and less as a exactly. service. Got it. Okay, cool. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, but in general, where we feel we make the biggest impact is uh, there are a few fold in the usage of our data. One is to replace something to make it more efficient. Mm -hmm. So for a lot of our travel clients, we replace some questions they ask in intercept surveys, right? Ah. You want to know where you came from. You stop someone and ask. That is expensive, and if you survey 500 people, that's a lot. But without data, you can easily yeah, much you know, larger survey sample a million yeah. <laughs> people, right? So those type of use case is uh, typical is that you make something more efficient. Then the next type is you make something that you they can't do before, right? Looking at competitors for traffic is something they cannot do before. Yeah. And so that is uh, a new addition to uh, help with their decision making. And so we typically do one of the the other or actually to help them deepen their insights, right? Okay. You oftentimes know if you are a fast food restaurant, you know by your receipt data how much you've done. But um, uh, you don't know uh, if you open a new restaurant or if you have a new menu, how would a breakfast menu affect your your um, traffic in the new store? So oh. we can use our data to draw a parallel of how that effect might be. So they can gain additional dimensions of insight by using their own first-party data with what you're gathering, and the two together are like greater than the sum of their parts. Exactly. Yeah. Very and interesting. I, I still think there are a lot of use cases that we haven't discovered yet. If you think about this set of data comes around in about 2014, really, and I think it's starting to broaden the usage, but I still think there are a lot of use cases that we haven't thought about. Yeah, well, I, I want to kind of go into what some of those are commercial mm -hmm. break so when we come back more from gladys hello everyone this is mike bolin lead analyst at street fight and i'd like to talk to you today about brandify which is street fight's parent company it's a local marketing company that provides a range of services for brands with brick and mortar store locations so that's everything from retail stores to restaurants and moving companies and banks and healthcare providers and several other verticals and brandify manages the digital outposts where most consumers encounter these businesses today. So we're talking Google Maps and Facebook, Yelp, Apple Maps, and Bing. And the name of the game is really to create a compelling presence on these sites and apps and to engage with consumers more effectively using advanced reputation management tools. And this is all really compelled by the fact that 97% of consumers regularly search online for local businesses. So brands today can't afford to be missing from all those channels or lack multimedia content or contact information or visible responses to customer feedback. So Brandify synthesizes and optimizes all these channels through a local market platform and it's all about standing out and winning the loyalty and lifetime value of tech savvy consumers so to learn more visit brandify.com so we're back my guest is Gladys Kong so Gladys before the break we were talking about all of the different ways not all of the different ways some of the different ways that your technology is being applied and evolving from the traditional use of location intelligence 
as as a marketing tool into other things like helping multi-location brands decide where the optimal place for their next location is or other things like that. Um, so before the break, you were mentioning you're excited about like this, these opportunities continuing to branch out. So let's let's dig down on that. What are the, some of the areas that you believe are kind of untapped in terms of applying location intelligence and particularly Uber, meters, Uber Media's kind of flavor of, of location yeah. intelligence? So I believe there'll be use cases that you and I haven't even thought about. No right. one has thought about it yet that it will come around in the next five to 10 years. But today I'm most excited um, about uh, actually really timely right now with uh, COVID going on. The um, how if you look at mobile location data, a lot of people now refer to human movement data. You're yes. really trying to figure out where groups and trends of people are moving around. And with uh, current COVID, um, a lot of the human movement data can actually be uh, used to help model and figure out where uh, outbreaks could be happening yeah. and help plan hospital um, uh, availability, where to route patients, and a lot of different decisions based on that. And, and moving forward, as we reopen, uh, we also look at it as a great way of helping business uh, during the recovery phase, yeah. phase because... If you look at today, you can't really rely on any historical data. Yeah. This is an unprecedented time. So what you can look at is if some states are opening earlier than others in different sectors, you can use that data to help become a proxy of what you may be able to model your business based oh. on. And with the complexity of every state and maybe county opening differently, it's really difficult to, to measure anything. So using um, human movement data, you can get a sense of if consumer are really going to restaurants that are open now. Is yep. consumer actually going to these sectors? This grocery shopping changes now that uh, everything is open. So there are a lot of ways to use the data that we haven't thought of, and this particular time uncovers some of it. And also we have been uh, approached by a lot of research institute that can use this research in ways that um, you and I don't understand how that could be done in the modeling terms and all that, but I think that's what uh, the data can be great for. Yeah, I think that resonates a lot because, you know, the, the predictive uh, prospects that you're talking about, like being able to see model wh where outbreaks or resurgences may happen, I think mm -hmm. is key because one of the themes since like the beginning of this virus outbreak has been, as, as you alluded to, we're always kind of behind when it comes to the data because some of the, the proxies we're using are things like hospitalizations. Um, and a hospitalization, like having that data is great, especially when it's going down, but there are certain situations where, as we found out, um, you know, asymptomatic people um, can be spreading and things like that that like you know just cause the data to always be like two steps behind and be trailing indicators. So anything mm -hmm. we can introduce that becomes a leading indicator, I think, is going to be very valuable. Yeah, and I think a lot of institute are leveraging this data set to do that type of modeling, mm -hmm. and um, I think it's a use case that obviously you and I haven't thought about two yeah. months ago, right? Now, um, so I. Go ahead, there'll be a lot of that. Yeah. I, I think there'll be a lot of that coming up. Nice. Now, while we're talking about future opportunities and like the technology itself branching into different functions or outputs or use cases, what about like that same kind of thought exercise, but applied to 
types of businesses or verticals? So I guess there's two questions there. One is, you mentioned earlier a few of the types of companies you're working with, but give us a, a fuller picture of the types of verticals where you, mm -hmm. you focus, or maybe you have more of a horizontal approach, that's fine too, and then you know where those opportunities may be for expansion vertical-wise. Right. Um, so one of the uh, questions you asked me earlier is about differentiator. So Uber Media differentiates itself by being a uh, flexible solution. I, we don't believe uh, location intelligence can be used as a one-size-fits-all. Every vertical may have some similar questions, but always have some customized questions for that vertical. Mm -hmm. And having a platform that allows for uh, some flexibility and customization per vertical is where we differentiate. Um, so we work a lot with retailers, which is where we first started. Oh, yeah. But we also work with a lot of quick surf restaurants and grocery chains. And now um, we work with a lot of tr tourism board. Travel is a big vertical of ours. Uh, we work with the state of Hawaii, we work with the state of California and oh. with the tourism branch. Um, and we work with a lot of um, um, economic development um, in the government branch yep. to help with um, maybe traffic or just economic de decision development, um, economic planning decisions. And we also work with a lot of commercial real estate company that help understand maybe what tenant to bring into malls that would fit the um, consumers that live around the mall or what is uh, best to, to approach with a certain property, how does it compare to nearby properties and that type of decision making for commercial real estate. So those are the verticals that we currently work in. In the last few months, we started working with a lot more research institution that is picking this up and doing a lot of modeling with it. Um, so we think that it will continue to expand, but those are the verticals that right now we've kind of grown pretty strongly in. Yeah, absolutely. Now, um, before we go to another commercial break, another question, which is kind of maybe backing up as a more kind of foundational question is, you know, we talk to a lot of location intelligence providers, and they often differ or differentiate in a lot of ways on the kind of data collection methodologies. Um, so at a high level, um, what, what are some of your data sources and methods for kind mm -hmm. of bringing that data together and then, you know, allowing your clients, as you mentioned, in kind of a almost like a SaaS manner, um, kind of glean actual kind of insight from it yep so we uh care a lot about where we uh, get our data we work with trusted providers that collect the data from users that have opted in to share location data and we only work with gps data because we believe that's the most accurate yep. um but all our providers are, are compliant with all existing state uh, um, privacy law that includes ccpa or the nevada state law as well as GDPR. So we make sure that on the compliance front, we have um, user consent before we get the data, but we also allow for users to opt out if they decide they don't want their data, either with the publisher or if they say, we don't want Uber Media to be selling our data, we respect that decision as well. Great. Um, so we're gonna pause for another commercial break. When we come back, more with Gladys. Hello everyone, this is Mike Boland, lead analyst at Street Fight, and I'd like to talk to you today about Brandify, which is Street Fight's parent company. It's a local marketing company that provides a range of services for brands with brick and mortar store locations. So that's everything from retail stores to restaurants and moving companies and banks and healthcare providers and several other verticals. And Brandify manages the digital outposts where most consumers encounter these businesses today. So we're talking Google Maps 
and Facebook, Yelp, Apple Maps, and Bing. And the name of the game is really to create a compelling presence on these sites and apps and to engage with consumers more effectively using advanced reputation management tools. And this is all really compelled by the fact that 97% of consumers regularly search online for local businesses. So brands today can't afford to be missing from all those channels or lack multimedia content or contact information or visible responses to customer feedback. So Brandify synthesizes and optimizes all these channels through a local marketing platform and it's all about standing out and winning the loyalty and lifetime value of tech savvy consumers so to learn more visit brandify.com so we're back my guest is Gladys Kong so Gladys right before the break we were talking about your data collection methodologies um, and part of that, as you mentioned, involves kind of privacy compliance. And of course, one of the hot topics in all of our worlds over the last, you know, since since January when it went into effect was CCPA. Um, so one of the things we've been looking at is how CCPA um, is something that really forced a lot of companies to scramble and get compliant. But once they, they have, and as you mentioned, you're CCPA compliant, um, it really positions well for, you know, even operating across states, right? Um, you know, having that level of compliance across the board so that you don't have to have different procedures that are like California compliant, but then like, you know, not having two sets of, of, of things happening. So, so really just to kind of apply that across the board. And then that really positions companies like Ubermedia for really whatever happens next, whether there be other states that follow or we've been hearing whispers of it will take a while, but potentially some sort of federal version, some sort of federal mandate around privacy. So, so what do you believe about those kind of dynamics and how you're positioned? Yeah, we tend to look at the stricter set of privacy yeah. rules, and we want to be compliant with that. And sometimes between, between state versus state, it's not so much one is stricter. There are some differences, too. Oh, yeah. So for us, we try to go for the broadest set where – um, that we hope that we're most prepared for. If another state comes up with that, we're already compliant. So we tend to go for the, the broadest and the strict, strictest um, set of um, compliance so that once we do the work, it doesn't even matter we don't operate as much in a certain state. We all want to look at it as globally that we are compliant. And, and then um, we hope to put the company in the best position as uh, this privacy law continues to develop, even within state, or as you say, maybe the federal uh, level. So we always want to be prepared, uh, maybe even ahead of the game, because um, we respect consumer privacy, and that's a very important part of our business. Now, speaking of which, where currently are you active geographically speaking? Our company is mostly in the U.S., okay. but we have partners uh, globally. Like we have pretty strong, have a strong partnership in Australia and New Zealand, um, also in other parts of the world. Uh, but my, our primary focus is in the U.S. right yeah. now. That makes sense. And there would seem to be almost a certain network effect that you gain. Like you said earlier, larger sample sizes um, lead to kind of better, better, more reliable data. Now, is it, you know, in terms of geographic expansion, is that challenging to kind of build up to those levels of, you know, having adequate data sets or is it something that's got to be turned on region by region? So we have a good global representation uh, through our partnership okay. with uh, data providers. So we try to get a, a good coverage, but uh, no matter what, U.S. is probably the strongest in yep. terms of data set, but there are um, 
probably 20, 30 countries that we have really strong data set on that we can make the similar type of insights from. Um, but we continue to grow that based on customer demand. So we, we tend to listen to a customer if they want to expand a certain part of the world, then we try to grow in those countries yeah. data-wise. And, and some of those geopolitical orientations have always fascinated me in looking at just kind of local search and marketing and advertising dynamics where you have somewhere like Europe, which is very spread out where a, a higher percentage of the overall population is in cities. So there's that kind of density effect that so, in some ways has benefits for, for data collection and things we're talking about today. The US is, is all spread out, but if you look at places like, you know, the eastern seaboard, there are cities that are in tighter clusters than they are in other regions. So it's kind of interesting how that all comes together. Yeah, in providing the data, it's uh, easy to turn on new countries as we work with our providers. Yep. But to glean insights, you really have to have certain knowledge about the, the local region that you're working with. And the culture because, and, and all kinds of things, Exactly, right? because yeah. it's just different. And when you look at just uh, the insights and you try to gain, um, tell, a, tell a story about the data, yeah. you really need to have some of that knowledge. So we often partner with either our client who really are familiar with the, the community they live in or with a partner that is local to those communities. Yeah, it, it brings to mind examples, cultural examples, like if you are looking at you know, the, the southern United States or the southeastern United States, which is index is very high for evangelical individuals. You probably see something like where on Sunday everyone is clustering and you wouldn't know that otherwise by just having that cultural knowledge. And that's a basic example, but there are probably more nuanced ones out there that kind of are all parallel to that in some way. For sure. Yeah. I mean, in the current time when we run social distancing data, you can really tell the different behavior in different regions of the U.S. Yeah, too. Like yeah. And especially in early days when everyone was like hoarding around like Costco's and, you know, gas stations yes. and things like that. Sure. Right. Um, so great. This is all very fascinating. So to kind of close, wind down here, um, what are you kind of working on now that you can talk about at least? And, and what mm -hmm. are you most excited about kind of the, for the remainder of 2020? So I would tell you our plan. Uh, Pre-COVID and our current plan. <laughs> okay, that's a good way to separate. Uh, we we had a uh, a plan to release uh, in different phases a self-service platform per vertical. We believe the market has matured where um, small to medium-sized businesses can use data like this, but we have to make it super easy to use. Yep. And so this is our 2020 plan is to release. Um, a platform that is allows small to medium-sized businesses to glean insights from mobile location data. And we're starting with the first vertical, which we're releasing in a week or so uh, on commercial real estate, working with brokers where they can compare properties easily and uh, just print a beautiful report that they can compare their site that they're working with and comparison sites. So that's step one, I and mean, that's still our goal. But uh, with COVID happening, we are also working on a very exciting product to help businesses, like I mentioned earlier, in the recovery process. Ah. Just allow them to have some data that they can lean on uh, versus uh, typically a lot of times they use historical data to do forecast. That's not possible right now. Yeah. So we are providing data as the countries start reopening and to provide uh, our clients and potential new clients with data that they could use. Yeah, I think that's going to be very important and very valued to have prescriptive um, information that SMBs can use in a concrete way. And I think there's another thing you said that I want to underscore, which is the, the need for simplicity 
for SMBs. I think you you have you have that absolutely correct. We've been you know looking at SMB dynamics and studying it for, for years, and I think everything you just said is well aligned, and especially for the for the current time. Um, so that's actually all the time we have. I want to thank you, Gladys, for spending time with us. Thank you very much, Mike. Yeah, this was fun um, and very insightful. So I want to thank you all also for listening and stay tuned for future episodes of Heard on the Street. You can find us on streetfightmag.com. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts and also stay tuned for lots more writings and multimedia from Street Fight. So this has been Heard on the Street. I'm Mike Boland. Thanks for listening.